You see, I have this alternative view now, and uh, sometimes when I tell the UFO audience that, it's not what they want to hear, you know? You know, they'll say, well, you know, when did you go religious on us? And I give them the story, like I told you. But I'm telling you, I believe that this is the truth, that I have figured this thing out. The Inquisitive Minds Podcast. Hey, thank you for tuning in the Inquisitive Minds podcast. I'm your host, as usual, Johnny Smith. Uh, with me today, my guest is a retired security and public affairs executive, an actor and author. Uh, he was his company's liaison to his local congressman. He's made numerous television appearances, including the Anderson Cooper Show in 2012 and 33 uh, episodes on seven TV series, including 20 episodes on History Channel's Hangar One. Uh, he has appeared in three movies and wrote and produced 90 YouTube episodes uh, for his String Theory of the Unexplained channel. He is an occasional columnist for eight different magazines and was a multi-state director for MUFON for 10 years. He is the author of 10 books and lectures on UFOs and demonology. Welcome to the program, John Venture. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming on. How are you doing today? Good, good. It's, uh, you know, it was pouring, raining an hour ago, now the sun's out, and it's going to rain again later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, enjoy it while you can. Yeah. Um, so I first uh, saw you speaking at a convention, speaking about UFOs, and you're very interesting. You caught my eye. I want to get back to the genesis of John Venture we know today. How'd you get started? Well, you know, it's uh, probably very different than uh, other people had gotten started, you know, most of the people in this field, when you talk to them, oh, you know, they said, oh, I saw a UFO. I was reading every UFO book at 8, 9, 10, 12 years old. I had no interest in UFOs until I was 41 years old. You know, mm. the way it transitioned was um, I was uh, working all around the country for UPS every week for 18 months. I had to go to a different city. And uh, I was getting really bored. I don't drink, you know, so I was basically sitting in a hotel room and sometimes over the weekend. And I said, you know, I always wanted to write the great American novel, disaster novel, horror story, whatever it was. I was a, uh, you know, horror con uh, type person, famous monsters of film land. I knew nothing about UFOs. So, so I started writing my first book on the Mayan calendar. 1221-2012, A Prophecy. About what year was this, John? Uh, I started writing it in 96. Okay. I didn't publish it to 2007. It was the hardest thing I ever did, trying to write a you know a 200-page book if you've never done it before. It really was the hardest thing I ever tried to do. And uh, But what happened was, as I was doing my research into these other cultures... I kept coming across, uh, you know, different cultures talking about star people, people on flying shields, getting knowledge from spacemen, you know, let's say. So I said, you know what, I got to look into the UFO thing. You know, I was a big X-Files fan, but that's mm -hmm. more, you know, that's more drama than, than, you know, really, I would say, the UFO field. So in uh, 98, I joined MUFON to become a field and just... You know, I can't remember if I, I joined in 98, whether that's just to be a member. Then I became a field investigator. Now, in, for, uh, for listeners out there, um, if you've listened to some past episodes, you'll know that's the Mutual UFO Network. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're the only, they're the largest and the only um, international organization left 
that really looks into into UFOs. So so I, I joined them in 98. I became, um, I worked my way up, and I think it was 06 or 07, I became the state director, and I ended up being the state director in seven states. And, oh, really? Uh, yeah, and it, it kind of threw me on television, and I started writing books, and I transitioned from this end-time prophecy into UFOs, but I didn't know anything. You know, when I really, you know, even when I became state director, I knew a little from reading their manual. I didn't know the history. And I really, I said, look, if you're going to be a state director, you got to be a subject matter expert and you better mm -hmm. start reading books and, and learn the history. So I got into UFOs by writing the great American disaster novel based around the Mayan calendar, which didn't happen, you know. Now, when you joined <laughs> MUFON, <laughs> yeah, it didn't happen. Um, unfortunately, sometimes. Well, uh, I guess. <laughs> uh, when you joined MUFON, you did uh, field investigations and what have you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did a lot of cases. And, uh, uh, you know, so I think some of the best cases were when I became the state director, because then you get to see the whole state. You're not just mm -hmm. get, getting, you know, five cases, four cases a year. You know, you're actually able to see the, the hundred cases a year that the whole state gets. Now, is there any investigations that stand out on you? Well, there were two. You know, it's funny how things happen. The, the, I would say the largest investigation I did was with Bob Gardner over in Bucks County. And this happened in 2008. And uh, it, it's a very strange case. We, you know, I'm state director. We're getting like, I think we're averaging 92, 93 cases a year, every year. And and then in 2008, I'm getting these reports over East Lake, uh, Ohio, Lake Erie, something coming out of the water or over the water. And then I get a, another report, you know, 15 minutes later over Wheeling, West Virginia, another one over Pittsburgh, State College, Philadelphia, Bucks area, almost as if something was coming down from the north over Lake Erie you know, along the, the, the border there of Pennsylvania, then cut across uh, Pittsburgh, almost like following the turnpike and, and going out <laughs> over, you know, it's, you know, well, some of them went over State College, that's 20 miles north, but, uh, you know, and then going out over the ocean. And we got all of these cases. All of a sudden, in a like four month period, we got like 232 cases wow. and, and probably 100 and 80 of them or so was in the Philadelphia Bucks County area or, or 200 of them, you know. So that was the case that really got me propelled. And the two biggest incidents that happened was, uh, we, and, and this this one show was on uh, TV, I think in five different episodes and along with my um, Anderson Cooper uh, television uh, parents in 2012, this woman by the name of Denise in uh, Levittown, PA, she uh, goes, she, her dog wakes her up barking at about 3 a.m., 4 a.m. And, and it happens like three or four times. She goes out and she has like an, a town apartment, townhouse kind of apartment. And she goes out the back door and she sees a, a, a triangular craft with three lights. Well, one time the craft approached and she went outside and it dropped these like metallic sprinkles into her tree, like lit it up like a Christmas tree. Okay. And they were like probes. And then it got sucked up like a magnet, sucked them back up into the ship and it took off. Right. So, so it dropped the probes into the tree to like, almost like connects, collect samples and then pull yeah. it back up. 
Yeah. And uh, so what we did, Bob Gardner actually was the field investigator on the scene because he lives there. He cut the leaves off, put them in bags, and then took samples, this is what we do, you know, from other trees, trees across the street, down the street. And we sent it off to a couple of labs. And it, the thing comes back, the one lab finds boron on the leaves, not boric acid like a pesticide, but mm -hmm. boron. Now, so, where, where do we use boron? Where is that usually used? Well, it's used in stealth fighters. And it's used in enamels that they paint like the inside of a nuclear reactor and stuff. So oh, okay. Why is so that heavy duty? Yeah. So I asked her, like, do you have boron in your spice rack? She had no clue as to what I was talking <laughs> about. You know, boron? What do you mean? No, I was just joking, you know. But uh, yeah, but that shouldn't have been there. And the other trees in the yard didn't have it. Down the street didn't have it. So then the other lab comes back with a report from Dr. Levengood, who is a big name in the field, does a lot of this type of analysis for, on cases. He passed away, I think, two or three years ago. But uh, his report comes back and says the leaves were subject to high heat or radiation. And it actually had some little burn marks in the leaves. So he was saying it, it's very unusual, and also that the leaves, some of the leaves were malformed. They were almost heart-shaped, where they should have been like, you know... Uh, uh, like a spade, right? The leaf is okay. shaped like an ace, ace of spade. Well, yes. it, it was curved. It became like a heart shaped on the end. So, and he said the leaves uh, emitted a natural enzyme called anthrocyanide, which protects the leaves against high heat or radiation. Mm -hmm. So something happened when these probes uh, went into the tree. So that's a case of trace evidence. Those are the cases you live for where you actually got evidence. But then at the exact same time, there was a guy by the name of Cliff over in Doylestown. And he contact, contacts us. And it's in the same time period in 2008. And uh, he, he says, John, well, I, I'm seeing this huge craft at like 3, 4 in the morning. He says, my dog barks. He wakes up. You know, he looks out his window and he sees a five-sided craft hovering, just moving really slow in the night sky. And he says, John, this thing's moving 20 miles an hour, 30 miles an hour. He says, you know, if it's not a balloon, why isn't it falling down? Mm -hmm. So uh, then it happens again and him and his wife go outside and they see it and there's a heat lightning storm. And he says, John, the lightning goes off. I see this five-sided craft, and it's got, like, uh, triangular-shaped UFOs docked like that. So, oh. you could see... You so, could like, see interlocking. Light. Yeah, you could, like, like they're docked. It's five, it's a pentagon shape, but five-sided with five uh, triangular craft. And when the lightning goes off over above him, because it's blotting out the sky, he sees the lightning through the seams, like... Like it's like it's a docking station. That's like a scene from a sci-fi movie. Yeah, and it is. And he said, John, it was gigantic. He said this craft was 600 feet. Oh. He said bigger. He had like a couple of acres, you know. And he says this thing would be bigger than my my entire property, you know. So uh, so what what we did was Bob Gardner went contacted the Philly airport and he they invited him down, cleared him. He went in. And he, you know, he said, this is the date. Let's say it's April 27th at 3.05 a.m. 
you know, what do you show on your radar? And they looked it up and they said, we had a large object with no transponder at that exact same time. And it veered off to the northeast, like towards New York. So there was there was radar proof of this craft. Yeah, yeah, exactly what the guy said. And he said, yeah, then it, it went off to the northeast. So that's another case where we were able to get radar proof. And then it got really hairy in that I said, well, okay, I appreciate you telling us this and showing it to Bob, but let's file the Freedom of Information Act with the FAA and get proof. Let's get a copy of that, right? So the, the, the foyers come back saying, um, well, the, it, it said that it was, uh, it was beyond their record retention period. There was no nothing to give you mm. long period. So I checked with some MUFON people at the Denver airport, and they gave me the procedures. And I said, you have it. It may not be up on your screen, but you have the disk filed. I said, you yes. have it. It's in a drawer, right? So the woman mails me the disk with a note. I run an efficient office, and yes, I do have it. <laughs> and she sends me the disk. And uh, at the same time, I have like a FOIA request from the FAA saying there's nothing. So I got her email. I got it in an envelope and they're saying no. Right. So we, we, we send it to the Denver airport and that's where they had to use the Raptor program to pull the uh, screens. Now I'm not sure exactly what the Raptor program is. It's just a program to read radar. Like you can't do it with your computer, okay. the disc has to go through a special program so you can read the disc. And that's just what they called it. And it gives you the uh, paint screens. So okay. I get a bunch of screens that show something on it that, that doesn't have a transponder. You know, so, so you know, not having a transponder around an international airport is like driving down the turnpike in the wrong direction. I was they just going to ask there. you, John, doesn't the the government or the FFA see that as a threat, something that large without a transponder? You would think so. I mean, to me, it's an aviation threat, you know, an air safety uh, threat. Absolutely. The, the military, it's a funny thing in this country, the military, uh, in the UK and the US, the military really gets involved in this stuff and kind of takes it over. Uh, down in South America, other countries, it's their FAA, and they look at it as a air safety issue, which you should. And, uh, you know, other countries like Japan, China, they got UFO reporting centers where people can report it. And France has a whole network, probably better than ours, where it's joint public and private companies that when they get a case, they all they look at it the way it should be. But but I could never get the, the FAA to say it was they had it, but I mm -hmm. had it in my hands and I have, you know, I have it. It's part of a presentation I give the actual screen showing the radar and all of that. Then it gets even crazier. In the middle of doing these two cases, we uh, Discovery Channel contacts MUFON uh, and they're doing the TV series with MUFON and they want this case to be episode two in the mm. TV series. So we're in the middle of this thing with you know, like 250 investigations. We only got like three, four people to do them. And uh, next thing you know, Discovery Channel is flying in to go with us on the investigation, which was so cool because they were able to fund some of the research Mm -hmm. uh, pay for the lab report. You know, they did some things there that we, you know, we didn't have the money to do it and, and actually get a real good look at it and stuff. So 
Um, so then I ended up on my first TV show on Discovery Channel, UFOs Over Earth. So, you know, it was, it was interesting. And then, of course, they brought the debunker in to say that the lab report by Levengood wasn't correct. You know, that, that this is, you oh. know, jump to conclusions. Well, that's what television does, though. They, they never really do it to say that it's a real case. So it was, uh, you know, I would say it was one of the first big cases I got, and it was the best case I had as a state director over the 10 years. Well, I got, I got a question for you then. With them not releasing the footage and you having it in hand, um, since you're like on the inside here, what are your thoughts on the whole speculation of the government releasing all their information about UFOs to be soon here? Yeah, I went on the record uh, when I first heard about this maybe a month or six weeks ago. And uh, I, you know, and I gave I ran the Philadelphia and the Pittsburgh UFO conferences last month. Right. And that okay. was all of my presentation was why no formal disclosure. That was the name of my presentation. So I actually ran through this whole thing that you're asking here. And uh, what I said to everybody is they will never, ever be able to make fun of us again that UFOs are not real. And of course, everybody applauded. And I said they've kind of <laughs> yes. admitted it over the past, since 2017, the past four years, because we found out that our funding in MUFON was coming from Robert Bigelow. We knew that, but mm -hmm. we didn't know that it was coming from the Defense Department, $22 million. They gave Robert Bigelow to fund our investigations. That part oh, was this, this is news to me. I didn't know yeah. that either. Oh, yeah, that all came out that uh, uh, Harry Reid in Nevada got $22 million in funding for UFO investigations, gave it to Bigelow Aerospace. He contacted MUFON and said, we want to work hand in hand with your people. We're not interested in aliens. Now, get this. We don't care about entities, aliens. All we want to know is propulsion. We want to know mm. how these ships work. We want pictures. We want you describe it. That's, and they paid for some really good cases, uh, you know, for people. to. They paid for the hotel, the car rental, your food, that type of stuff. So that was good. It lasted only a year. And then the whole thing, and, and this is the strange thing. You got Bigelow giving you, uh, trying to think, $650,000 a year. You're supposed to spend it by his guidelines, and, and nine months into it, you're not following his guidelines, and and this clash occurs between MUFON's board and Bigelow, mm -hmm. and Bigelow then reduces the funding from I think it was sixty thousand or fifty five fifty five thousand a month to thirty because they were mm. only spending they were only spending thirty thousand a month, and he was giving them fifty five, so they were pocketing twenty five thousand in their account. As like a service fee. Yeah, uh, I guess you can do that. I don't know. But it shouldn't have been done, I don't think. So three months of that, and Bigelow says, all right, forget about you guys. He pulls all the funding. Why would you, you know, submarine the best funding you've ever had in the history of the organization? Why would you do that? I agree I, with you. I think it that, doesn't make that, any that's sense. a very big mistake. Yeah, was it, was it a mistake or was it part of the plan? Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know. You know, because people have their comments. I, you know, who, I don't know. But the, that whole thing was very strange. Uh, the guy who was the chief investigator for MUFON, director of investigations internationally, is one of my good friends now, and he's my publisher and webmaster. He just put a book out there 
he talks about all of this, uh, you know, how this all went down. So Richard Lang's his name and, you know, people can get his book out there. Uh, just go to Lang Publication or look his name up on Amazon, you know, and it's there. But, and, you know, it's like it's gets so deep and it doesn't need to. Yeah. So getting back to disclosure. Right. So so what am I saying about disclosure? I told everybody they'll never make fun of us again. UFOs are real. They finally admitted it. I say it. The modern era of UFO started in 1942 with the Battle of L.A. But they you know what? I'm, I'm unfamiliar with that. I always uh, or at least I thought it started with like the Betty and Barney Hill thing. What well, can you Ro briefly tell me about the Battle of L.A.? Yeah, Roswell is the one they say in 1947. But interestingly, in 1942, over Los Angeles, February 24th, 1942. And, you know, I wrote, I wrote, I just, because of disclosure, I took my four best books on UFOs and uh, I, I had run out of print copy there on Kindle. So I got my publisher there, Lang, and we put them on print on Amazon. So you can buy them now in, in paperback. Real quick then, this is a real good time to promo yourself. Uh, shout yeah. out your books, your website, all that. Yeah, well, um, you know, my my website is johnventry.blogspot.com. That'll take you. And I got over 100 YouTube uh, lectures there, similar to what you do. You know, they're, they're on YouTube, they're lectures. I'm also on a new channel called Paraflix. Uh, my lectures are all up there. On the, it's going to be coming out on Roku. I think it just came out on Roku. Paraflix is, is out there. But the books you want, and the best thing is to go to Kindle or Nook, Amazon or Barnes okay. & Noble. And uh, the, the best book is The Case for UFOs. That's the whole history of the UFO field. Then uh, I, I wrote another book called An Alternative History of Mankind, which talks about the ancient alien stuff, you know, that maybe we were genetically upgraded. Uh, then I talk about a book, um, uh, Apophis 2029, about a real asteroid. It's a novel. This one's a novel. It's a real asteroid that's supposed to just miss us in 2029. Of course, I have it hitting and there's a whole UFO ending to it where we discover a craft after it hits and all of that. It's really, oh boy. I think it's, a, it's the best book I ever wrote. And, and so many, what I had to do when I wrote it in 2011 was set the world up in 2029. And so many of the things I described is actually happening now. You know, so much of it. So, okay. and then there's a, there's a fourth book called uh, The String Theory of the Unexplained. Where, uh, and I want to talk about this a little bit later, where I kind of changed my focus and looked at demonology and exorcism and compared it to alien abduction. And I, I, I really outed a lot of the alien abduction cases as being demonic infestation. And, and it's, it's, it's such an alternative view of the UFO field. But those four are all on, on paperback right now. So now i got to remember what the original question was. Before it was about the uh, Battle of L.A. Oh, yeah. I completely but guys, forgot. make sure you check him out, johnventry.com. Um, buy one of his books. He's a very fascinating man, as you're hearing right now. Yeah. I, honestly, I, I think I would have rated myself in the top ten in the world on the UFO history. And yes, and that's the case for UFOs. That that should be a textbook for anybody wanting to learn about the field, the case for UFOs. But the, the, in my mind, and I have a whole other, I got alternative histories all over the place, you know, but I have a different version. But I'll tell you about Battle of LA, then I'll tell you a different version that's in my string theory book. 
uh, February 24th, 1942, you get um, three UFOs coming in out of the Pacific. This is three months after Pearl Harbor, right? It's picked up on radar. It's seen by civilians, military personnel, and it comes over Los Angeles at like, I think it's like three in the morning, four in okay. the morning. They open fire on it with anti-aircraft guns. 1,433 rounds they fired at this UFO. And um, uh, some of the rounds missed and, and hit, killed three people with rounds. Oh. Three more people have a heart attack because of what's going on. Air raid sirens going off, anti-aircraft. Everybody thinks the Jap Japanese are here attacking us is what they thought, right? Mm -hmm. There's a great picture uh, on the front page of the newspaper out there, the L.A. Times or whatever it was, uh, shows the UFO, a dome-shaped craft with a dome on the top like eight or nine spotlights on it and the anti-aircraft fire all around it and hitting it, let's say, right? Okay. Can't bring it down, right? So so in the press conference the next day, uh, you know, they asked about, well, they said, well, you know, we couldn't bring this thing down. Oh, no, they no, they changed the story and said it was a weather balloon. Oh, uh, of course. Of it course. Was the, now, get this stuff. It was Now, this is why I say this is the real start. It, the first time they used the weather balloon excuse, then mm -hmm. they used it again in Roswell. Yes. It was the first time we fired on UFOs, and it was the first time we publicly denied their existence. So the Battle of L.A. is actually the more important case. Then you find out it, the craft did go down. It crashed off the coast like over by Santa Barbara. It went down. We recovered it. There's a, a memo from General Marshall who says they recovered it, and this is not from Earth. Oh, wow. Okay. So, And then uh, you said you have case. a bit of an alternative history to it? Yeah. So here's my alternative history is uh, when people talk about UFOs and, you know, and I just say, you know, there's so many of these crashes, right? Don't make sense. No. They, they wouldn't be coming here and crashing with all this high tech technology you know so uh even roswell well why did it crash you know oh it was a lightning storm hit it what you don't need the skin's not like electrified that it doesn't you know whatever you do to you know ground it i don't know what they do you know so uh i said here's here's my other version which i think makes sense we know from the folklore let's say that there was a ufo crash in 1939 in the black forest of germany under hitler right okay they recovered it. They had no idea what to do with it, right? So the whole time that this is all developing and World War II is starting, Hitler's working on this advanced technology. Think about this. He's got he's got um, uh, uh, V V two V eight rockets, jet engines. This guy is six months away from a modern military air force that would destroy. In the United States, right? Okay. So he's working on this thing. He has the Hanabu series of flying saucers. They can't get them off the ground. Uh, he's working on the Bell, the Nazi Bell. Yes, we, we spoke about the Bell before. Yeah. It's an anti-gravity time machine, right? Which some people say was what landed in Kecksburg. I have, a, I have an alternative view on that too. But uh, so, so here's my thing. Actually, uh, real quick. Uh, if you're more interested in Kecksburg, I had uh, the director of the Kecksburg UFO incident, Cody. Um, can't remember his last name at the moment, but guys, go check that out. It's one of the previous episodes. Oh, the movie? The Kecksburg yes. movie? 
Yeah, yes. I was in this movie. Yeah, I, I had the director on here. What's his last name? Now you got to ask me that. Cody, it'll come to me. <laughs> oh, I feel terrible now. Uh, so do I. Oh, but get this. Cody's, and, and remember where we're Cody at. Knotts. I'll lose, Cody Knotts. I'll, Knotts, okay, yeah, because I was going to say I'll lose my, my place here, my mind. But Cody's doing another film right now called Transubstantiation. It's where you drink the blood of Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the wafer and the, and the wine becomes yes. blood in his body. He's got this cool movie he's doing. We're going to start filming in a couple of weeks uh, over by West Point, New York, where it's a vampire movie and he wants redemption and he has to drink the blood of Christ to become human again. Oh, Isn't wow. That, that sounds idea? very interesting. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah, so I play a detective in it because I was, uh, I got 55 lines in the movie and I was head of security at UPS, multi state director, but. Uh, so again, back to my alternative history because I'm sorry about that. Yeah, that's all right because I, I just I, there's so much to this. You could almost get a PhD in the UFO field. So my theory is when people start talking about all these crashes and Roswell and all of that and what was it, you know, I say the 1939 um, crash in the Black Forest was real. They they back engineered the best they could. We know we got all of that. Nazi scientific information in Project Paperclip in 1945, mm-hmm. right? We yes. got Werner von Braun, who had who became our rocket scientist and, and created NASA pretty much. Most people don't know that NASA was created by these Nazi scientists and engineers. The Russians got the top scientist. That's why they got Sputnik and out into space first. Mm-hmm. But then he died. He was older and they didn't have the backup like we did. We had slews of them, made them citizens, gave them housing, you know, put them out in For, Nevada. Forgave their war crimes. Yeah. Yeah. Forgave all of the. And these are the guys that created the. Um, Without the, them, we don't have NASA. That's right. Yeah. And these are the same guys that created the uh, where the uh, crematoriums and all of that. You know, they're you know, they were very skilled scientists, but, <laughs> you know. But, yeah, uh, you know, they I've, I've made the discussion before. <clears throat> if you take ethics out of science, you can make great leaps and bounds. Oh, you can. But, you know, before I get so far off, uh, in one of my books, I talk about we have to know what our purpose is as humans. Where All my books talk about where do we come from? Creation, evolution, genetic engineering, because you know, if you believe in creation, then it's, you know, then it's, it should be the Ten Commandments, uh, you know, helping everybody out, not trying to screw people over, all of that. You know, if, if you believe in evolution, then it's survival of the fittest and make the most money. It doesn't matter how you make it because there's no real consequences unless you get caught and put in prison, right? So it's all about that. And, and uh, then if we were genetically engineered, then maybe the transhumanism thing, you know, the ancient alien theory, mm-hmm. we will upgrade it. Well, then just keep upgrading. You know, let's give yeah. you upgrade your eyes. Let's upgrade everything, you know. And I talk about this in one of my books. You know, your vision could be like an eagle. They can put spider silk DNA in you so your skin can't be cut. You know, and this is all for soldiers. And they could put fish DNA in you so you can swim in the Arctic waters at 32 that would be amazing. degrees. 
you know, they can do all of these things, but should we? You know, because if you believe in creation, you want to be in the image of your creator. And that, you know, the, the Transformers or the X-Men is not in the image of your creator. So my books get into things that people have never talked about, you know. But so getting back to my story. Yes. OK. 1939, the Germans get this. We get it in Project Paperclip. We know Kamler put, cut a deal with the Americans loaded everything into one of his junkets, which was like a 747, and he disappears. His name is mentioned once in the Nuremberg trials. He brought that all to America, and and that and Werner von Braun started our uh, NASA. So so then they say, okay, so what's Roswell two years later? Mm -hmm. Is it the Nazi bell? Or, in my mind, it's us got the technology that was an experimental UFO with our, I don't know, you know, maybe because of weight, we use dwarves. You know, because they were small people that were found. Some people say, well, you know, they were uh, experiment because they were doing experiments on people in the concentration camps and Unit 231 in uh, Mongolia by the Japanese. Uh, but I don't think I think it was just using small people like, you know, if you're going to ride a horse at Aqueduct. Right. Yeah. You're not going to weigh 200 pounds. You, they're going to get the guy who weighs uh, 115 pounds. Yeah. Or, jockeys are small for a reason. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And so, so with this. So I think that's what that is. And I think, you know, one of my books, I chronicle 32 crashes of UFOs. Really? 32, and they found the bodies. I think these are all experiments trying to figure out the technology. And I think we finally got it in the early 1980s. I think we've created the anti-gravity or whatever you want to call it. And that's what was seen in Bucks County when the woman saw the triangular craft with three lights. Mm -hmm. That was ours. I'm convinced that was ours. That's a very fascinating theory and just as plausible as any other one. It's very interesting. I've actually never heard it and never thought about it. However, I, I want to ask, um, you said you think they uh, fixed the technology for anti-gravity in the 80s. What leads you to believe that? It's the Hudson Valley cases over in New York. There were um, over 1980. Two. It was it was Christmas Eve of '81 for 13 years. Over 7,000 sightings and cases of of these craft, two different sizes: the big mothership, mm -hmm. kind of like Phoenix Lights, the big okay. mothership, and then a smaller, like 60 foot craft over the nuclear reactors. It was almost like they were test flying them there up and down the Hudson River. So I think that's what the Hudson Valley uh, case was. And people even said for the number of sightings, it was the most sightings of any UFO case in history. And there was zero federal investigation of it. They would, oh. they would say it was Cessnas, it was balloons, giving you all the phony answers like they, they have. Um, and, and it's incredible, you know, that we could come under attack then. Nobody's looking at it. They got blinders on. So that's why I think. And then in 1982, the Space Force was actually formed. Okay. Not, when Trump said two years ago, the Space Force, that was there from 82. 
but it, what it was was satellite spy satellite technology the mm-hmm. space force i actually had a cousin that worked on a branch of the space force he never told me i didn't find out until he passed away in january uh and i went to his funeral at the uh air force academy in colorado springs uh he and his brother he, my my cousin was a two star general in the air force is oh really was, uh, yeah his oh, brother that's was incredible. An, yeah his brother was an nsa guy and it's funny, we'd have talks about UFOs, and my Air Force cousin would laugh about it. My NSA cousin would say, I think that's real. <laughs> you know. But the one thing he told me, though, my Air Force cousin was, John, you don't ever have to worry at night when you go to bed. We got stuff that China and Russia have no idea, advanced technology. And then I find out at his funeral, all these generals and colonels are speaking about him. He cre- he created a branch of the Space Force, and he was a big deal in, in it, you know. So so that's why I think that this goes back to the 80s. It was Phoenix Lights. That's the craft that we had. And these craft have been to to Mars. They've, they've been out into our solar system. And uh, another thing people don't understand, we have a drone space shuttle. We've been flying it since 1999. I I was unaware of this. Yeah. Uh, The X-37B. You can look it up. X-37B. I'm watching TV on uh, December 21st, 2012, because of my book. I'm waiting to hear if something crashed, right? We get hit by an uh, an asteroid. And there's something on television showing a a 26, I think it's a 26-foot, or maybe it was 75-foot, Drone space shuttle landing on an aircraft carrier, remote control. They said it's been in space for over two years. And that was the end of the story. And nobody questioned it. <laughs> nobody questioned it. You know, and that's the reason Obama shut down the space shuttle. He says, I challenged NASA to be bigger and better. He already knew because they already always know we already have remote control space shuttles. Mm-hmm. So so you have the public view of nasa and maybe the air force and then i think you have the private view of the nsa cia uh navy working on the real stuff and then the public view is what is what they tell us you know so so wait a second so getting back to disclosure i said for the past six weeks i even wrote a letter to the editor it was in the tribune review uh this week it's going to be nothing more you're going to know nothing more about ufos than you knew a year ago, right? They're gonna admit it's real, and this is what's being leaked now. They're real, they're not American technology, which I think is a lie, and we don't know anything else. So you're telling, they're probably not alien, and they're not ours as far as we know, so you'd want us to believe this is China and Russia technology, right? So we, we might as well just like, uh, you know, learn Mandarin or something, because, <laughs> because they'll be the superior uh, power on earth. And I don't, I, I think it's all propaganda double talk. But the good thing is they can never say UFOs are not real because they are saying, well, it could be alien, but we don't think it is. So that gives us our cover. Yeah, that, that's interesting because I've spoke with some former Marines that uh, saw some fascinating technology from the USO, USA that uh you know cell phones were blacked out blah 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 they couldn't take pictures things like that and it just seems like uh people don't speak about it as much as they should well you know when i was on the anderson cooper show uh in 2012 he asked me those questions about well you think the government can keep secrets and i said yeah and the whole audience of course broke out laughing i said wait a second the um 
Manhattan Project was kept secret. The stealth fighter is 1976 technology that they brought out and showed us in 88. So you'd think from 1976 to now, which then was 2012 and today mm -hmm. is 2021. What do you think we got? If the stealth fighter was 1976 technology, that's 40 years ago. What do you think we got? <laughs> 45 years ago. We got a lot. We got some good stuff, like my cousin said, you know, and that's exactly what we're seeing. And I think those videos, uh, the Tic Tac videos they show you that are mm -hmm. Navy film, that's ours. Now, whether those are drone or whether those are manned and there's a technology there where you don't feel the G-forces because they're able to manipulate the space in front of the craft, anti-gravity, whatever they're doing, I'm convinced that's ours and either the Navy doesn't know about it and they're testing it, told the Admiral, do not fire and he's the only one who knows on that ship. We're testing this out, you know, and we want to see the pilot's reactions, you know, or, you know, uh, or the Navy is actually in on it because you only get little clips mm -hmm. of them being amazed at, look at the turn, look at this, look at that. And nobody's saying, well, let's go back to the ship and let's uh, arm up because those craft are not uh, armed, you know, or why isn't the ship firing anti-aircraft, you know. Uh, none of that takes place, yet you got these things buzzing your, your ship. It doesn't make sense. John, I have a question for you. Your cousin said to you, don't be afraid uh, at night because we have things you you would never understand or what whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm paraphrasing. Do you think we have technology enough then to defend ourselves versus uh, genuine extraterrestrial threats? Well, I've always said in my books that the uh, 17 trillion, 20 trillion, now I think it's 24 trillion dollar deficit. Part of that was used for this uh, advanced space program, secret space program. And, and can we defend ourselves? I think we got stuff that's a, a, a hundred times better than what we see right now from our military. But I don't know how advanced are these aliens, a million years ahead of us or 20 years ahead of us, 50 years ahead of us. I, I think we could put up a fight like a sci-fi movie. You know, uh, I, I think we got stuff that you, uh, you know. And then on the other hand, you know, where, where they where this announcement that leaked from the from uh, New York Times was and they, they're saying it's not alien. So I've said to some of the UFO people, like even at my conferences, like, because they all believe in aliens, because they want to believe in aliens. And mm -hmm. I said, guys, think about this. If you want to win the human race over, how could you have done that? We just came out of COVID, right? Mm -hmm. All they had to do was show up in the middle, end of last year, during the shutdown, at any point, show up like Independence Day, say, hey, we're here to help you. This is the mm -hmm. Federation of Brotherhood. We're here to help you. We're going to cure your disease. Right, your your virus. The, the All they had to do is cure it, and you got us. You got us at virus. Absolutely. You got us at cure, and it didn't happen. So it's like you know, I'm not buying the, that the aliens are here. When they when I see them, then I'll believe they're here. The Federation of Brotherhood, all the aliens get off and they all look like Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I yeah, love it. Yeah, yeah. Or well, the tall whites, right? That was the ones yeah. that, that they said the Eisenhower and them saw. But, you know, so why didn't that happen? So I don't know. This, you can punch holes in so much of this and then you could take a lot of alternative views, too. And it's, it's full of propaganda, totally full of double talk. I will say if they have anti-gravity uh, aircrafts, let's make it commercial. I'm sick of taking these long ass flights. Um, yeah, I just want the SST back so I can get to London in three hours. <laughs> now, now, recently, uh, and we briefly touched on this earlier, 
you've had a bit of a change of opinion about some space things to more interdimensional? Yeah, you know, in uh, 2014, uh, Fred Saluga, who you need to get on the show. He's Fred has more been on the... here twice. We love Fred Saluga oh, here at Inquisitive okay. Minds. Oh, he never told me. You know, you see, I get Fred on shows and all of this stuff, but he never gets me on stuff. <laughs> oh, I absolutely love Fred actually mentioned your name off air, and uh, he was one of the reasons I tried to contact you for a while. Oh, okay. Right. He did the uh, Bigfoot UFO connection on here as well as like an introductory episode. We love Fred, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, actually, Fred and I do all those lectures on YouTube together and we run the conferences together. So, uh, yeah, we do a lot together. But uh, um, the change was in 2014, Fred said to me, John, you got to look at the alien abduction. It doesn't make sense. He said, this doesn't make any sense. He goes, it's been going on too long. It just doesn't make sense. And, you know, with MUFON, we were looking at nuts and bolts. Somebody, you know, puts a report in, sees something. We go to all these websites, like I explained to you, you know, what do they have at the airport? What's on radar? And, and you know, what was in the sky at that minute? You know, and there's all these websites that'll tell you everything, what's, mm -hmm. what's out there. So uh, I never, and MUFON has an abduction team, so I never looked at it. So I started looking into alien abduction I no sooner started that, a month later, I got something in my house. Oh, like an entity? Oh, yeah. And it was uh, more on the paranormal side than, than it was, um, I would say, alien. But I had had experiences over the year years. The first UFO conference I went to in 1999, remember I said I joined in 98, Mm -hmm. I went to the MUFON Symposium in uh, Northern Virginia, Washington, D.C. in 99. I come home from the, the conference and I'm having these out of I have an out of body experience. I have these lucid dreams at night of these hybrid kids and this hairy creature standing by the side of the bed. It is the creepiest thing. It goes on for like four nights. I am not sleeping. I'm up. It's not like it's noises and things like a haunting. As soon as I fall asleep, I'm in an altered state somewhere. You okay. know, it was. But why does that happen after I go to a UFO conference? You know, and my it's funny. Here I am, the MUFON investigator. My girlfriend goes on the site at the time and says, John, there's a UFO sighting. The night that you had your out-of-body experience, there was a case at Penn State and a case at Morgantown, West Virginia. Your house is almost in direct line of that if you drew a straight line. Oh. And that's when I had the out-of-body experience, right? So then um, the weirdest thing is I see it. It's the only time I saw a creature, an entity. You know, I've never seen the UFO. I've never seen Bigfoot. I've never, you know, mm -hmm. I, I wake up at... Five in the morning, suddenly, I just wake up, and my bed looks down the hallway. I could see down the end of the hall. There's somebody standing there at the end of the hallway. And uh, he's backlit, so I could see the silhouette of the guy kind of standing there in motion, like he was going to go up the stairs to the attic there. It's a finished attic. Mm -hmm. and, but he's backlit, so I can't see his features. You know, it didn't look like any uniform or anything. It was hard to tell, but there was no nothing that was baggy let's say right okay. he's standing there his head is higher than the door frame door frame mm. is six eight door frame six eight his head's above the door frame and it's square like a helmet so i'm looking at it saying is this an alien i said what what is this but he's got no waist like a 12 inch waist long 
arms and legs like Slender Man. Okay. And he and he's standing there like frozen in in, in place because I woke up and I wasn't supposed to wake up. Right? He's about a seven foot tall, almost yeah. Slender Man square headed thing. But he has a square. He has a helmet, a square head like a helmet. You know. So I'm saying, what is this now? The weird thing is, was six. That was in 2010, actually. In 04, I have an incident where I don't see it. My kids, we go to bed. It's Thanksgiving night. My girlfriend and I go to bed. We close the door. It's 1230 in the morning. Uh, we watched all the football games. My kids go to bed. We're in bed. We hear somebody pacing up and down the hallway, walking. I said, oh, it's got to be the kids. Like, they come up to the door to see if they can hear anything, you know? You know, mm-hmm. the, the kids are in the house, you know. So we wait. I wake up in the morning. She goes to work. And she uses the hallway bathroom because she got so much stuff, right? So she leaves for work. I get up to brush my teeth. On the mirror above the sink is the two arm prints like an X from elbow to fingertip, six fingers, and there's no meat in the forearm. It's two bones. Oh, that is creepy. Two bones, no meat, six fingers like an X. I measure it. It's three to four inches longer than my arm. You know, your arm length... For you know, like that, when you spread them out, is your height. So yeah. I'm six foot. If it's three to four inches, that thing is seven feet, seven two, seven three, and mm-hmm. that's what we, I saw six years later, standing down the hallway. It was that thing that put those handprints. I got those handprints on a Polaroid and on video. I have that on video where I videoed the prints on the mirror. John, how did that incident end when you saw that entity? Well, what happened was uh, I'm, I'm in bed. I've slapped myself in the face, rubbed my eyes. He's still there. I'm looking at it. He's still there. I crawled to the footboard. This is 30 seconds into it. I crawled to the footboard on my bed, and I said, well, he's still there. I'm not dreaming. I'm awake. He's still there. And I said to myself, I was taking kickboxing, step over the footboard, charge it, and hit it as hard as you can, Right. As soon as I said that, this thought kind of comes in my head and says, you don't want to do that. That could, oh boy. Be uns- yeah, that could be unsafe. What you want to do is step off the side of the bed, turn the light on so you can see. It's just like, I'm, you know, I work for UPS and everything is safety first, right? So I said, yeah. oh, yeah, I, I should do that. I step off the side of the bed, put the light on. He's gone. It's gone. Oh, man. So I forget this. I walked down the hallway because the cleaning lady was just there and vacuumed. So I'm looking to see if there's footprints on the rug. You know how if it's a newly, you know, Mm -hmm. vacuumed rug. I go up the attic. I look. There's nothing. But I walked down the hallway. I walked back to my bedroom. My Doberman is sleeping at the top of the stairs, you know, and he doesn't wake up. How do you walk past the dog two directions and he don't acknowledge you? He's sound asleep. This is your typical alien abduction where the husband's asleep, the wife is taken, she can't wake him up and doesn't understand. So it was something like that. Although, I don't know, I've had two out-of-body experiences. I don't don't know. So so at that time, I was saying, I don't know, I'm having all this creepy stuff happen since I started looking at this abduction thing. Uh, Then in 2015, it takes another turn on the 20th. Uh, anniversary of my divorce, actually it was 2014, I hear this like sonic boom bang on the wall. My dog and I, the dog heard it, and you can always trust an animal reaction, right? Mm, Absolutely. We both turn and look to the right, the picture on the wall flips up. 
and I got a pair of Indian head uh, head dressings there, the feathers blow to the side, like a, like some poltergeist thing, right? Yeah. I go upstairs, and in right in the middle of the hallway, there's this smell. I'm thinking, you know, I got a 110-pound Doberman. I said, what did he do? Did he take a dump up here? Because I can smell <laughs> yeah. it, you know. I'm looking around. I don't see it, but it's like a column. You step into it. I smell it. You step back. You don't smell it. I go in the bathroom. It's fine. Every bedroom, it's fine. It's a column of smell. I put the I put the fan on in the bathroom to try to suck it out. I I was watching a baseball game. So the dog and I, we go to bed. You know, it's probably 10, 1030. I put Real the quick, news the on. smell, how would you describe it? Like a sulfur smell or? It smelled not sulfur, but it smelled like uh, rotting flesh, like a dead animal. Mm, okay. And initially my senses, you know, you try, your mind tries to rationalize and said, oh, this is poop. And then as I started smelling, I said, no, this sounds like, smells like something dead. It's, it's like a combination of feces and dead, you know? And it wasn't sulfur like you get in a lot of the paranormal stuff, you know? Mm. So I go to bed. My dog sleeps on the footboard, uh, at, on the chair at the footboard. I see his head. I got the TV on. Again, in my bathroom, a sonic boom. Boom! Both him and his head turns to mine. Simultaneously, we look at the, at the bathroom. I said, what is this? It's like, this is like so loud. It's like a sonic boom in your house. All of a sudden, the dog gets up. I see him trot down the hallway like where that thing was standing. Mm -hmm. He gets to the end of the hall, looks up the attic stairs and goes ballistic. He's, Mm. this is a 110 pound Doberman. He's spinning in a circle as nasty, growling, barking. You know, there's, there's the bark when somebody's walking their dog down the street. There's Mm -hmm. the bark when the UPS guy is at the door. Well, this is the UPS guy at the door times 10. Mm-hmm. Going ballistic, you know. And again, I walk down the hallway. I don't see anything. The smell is gone at this point. You know, I've had that smell come back a couple of other times uh, in July for some reason. I even had like the gas company come. I said, "Do I have a gas leak? Like, what the hell is putting off this smell?" And they said, "Well, you wouldn't smell it because uh, I, I guess gas doesn't smell like rotting flesh or whatever." Yeah. <laughs> or, or they, or they, I don't remember if they put a certain smell to it, like roses, or they put a smell to it, or something where you don't smell it. It's it's smellless. Mm-hmm. I don't remember, but uh, I can't figure this thing out. So, so I start at that point saying, "I don't think this was alien," because the noise. Then it comes back again. Well, I meet this woman, get this on a dating site, right? Uh, okay. And, and I meet her, and you know, like I'm so obsessed with this, I start telling her about it. She goes, we, it's like our third date, and I'm telling her about this thing, right? And uh, she goes, John, I had a demonic attack on me at, at uh, Seton Hill here when she was in college. She goes, this is demonic is what it is. She goes, I have holy water. I'll be right over. She comes over with her holy water. She knows all the biblical scripture. She's there blessing the house, the whole, you know, whole thing. It's gone. Mm. Right. So it comes back about a year later at Thanksgiving. All the weird things that have happened to me, paranormal stuff has been at Thanksgiving, usually when my kids are with me. Because I got divorced in New Jersey. I get them for Thanksgiving. She gets the, my ex got them for Christmas. Well, mm-hmm. they live with her for Christmas, right? But whenever my kids are with me, there'd be paranormal activity. And my kids then started telling me about the paranormal activity in New Jersey when I was living here, right? And, and I had paranormal activity. So at that point, I'm saying to myself, 
this is not UFO. This is demonic. And that woman convinced me that it was. And so now it's like a year later and it's Thanksgiving starts again. Right. Mm. But now it's, I'd lay down and there would be tapping sounds on the walls. Then it escalated to loud banging sounds, uh, movement in the ceiling. And then it got worse. Uh, you know, I would, I would enter my bedroom and something would poke me like, like a sewing needle would poke me in the thigh. Uh, I'd lay down, it would poke me in the forehead and I, I'd get up and check the mirror and say, wow, did I just get a bit by a mosquito, by a bug or something? It so something's so targeting you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, and, and then it just got, you know, I, I, you know, I, I brought a priest in over the summer who turns out he didn't really believe in the devil as he blesses my house. You know, uh, you know, it's I'm asking about, I'm asking about sins of the father. What, what could cause this? And cause I didn't do, I didn't commit any mortal sins, you know? So, uh, but then he goes, Oh, the devil's just something they wrote in the Bible to scare you, you know, to scare people straight. Well, of course. So now he blesses the house that don't work. Yeah. He, didn't, he wasn't a, a believing priest. It, it's really sad when I look back at it, you know. So, so Christmas and that, like what I told you, started back up uh, Thanksgiving of fifteen. Christmas of fifteen, I feel I'm in a battle for about six weeks from Thanksgiving to like the end of December. I believe I'm in a battle for my soul or my life. Uh, every and I'm not leaving my house. People would say, get out of that house. Like you see in horror movies, mm -hmm. you know, haunt things. Give them the house. I said, no, this is my house and I'm not leaving. And I'm reading every book on hauntings, exorcism, the demonology. I, I, I right now could do an exorcism. Right. So uh, I, I, I'm there. You know, I put the I put the religious channels on TV, blasting scripture at night in the middle of the night. You know, I go to bed with that stuff on. So it, it gets to around almost Christmas after about four or five weeks. And they wear you down with this, you know, scratching in the, in the wall like you think a beaver is coming through the wall or a squirrel. All the stuff you see in the Exorcist movie is happening, you know. Okay. So uh, I lay down and this is maybe December 21st, 2nd, and um, it was really bad. I mean, sounds of like like a crunching sound like metal uh banging sounds and multiple banging on the walls matter of fact there was a movie on call a tv series called damien about the omen remember the kid okay. damien yes, this sir. was a tv series so i lay down in bed to watch it and i'm about 10 minutes into it and this is the antichrist damien the walls start banging i turned mm. it i turned the tv off and it stops so uh, I get to this point. So I, I command it to leave in the name of Jesus. I bind it. I send it. All of that it stops. Right. So I lay back down and I'm dead tired. You know, after a month of this, I open my eyes and it's pitch black in my bedroom. You know, I, when I lay down, there was moonlight. You can see to an extent. Mm -hmm. Now I, I sit up in bed and I look around. And I said, I have never seen it. This is I'm in total blackness right now. I said, I've never seen it like that in the house. There was moonlight five minutes ago. It all starts up again. And I said, my, in my soul, I said, you're in trouble. Something yeah. is about to happen to you, you know? And it, the loudest banging, sliding sounds, like a body dragged in the ceiling, crunching sounds, banging sounds, tapping sounds all around. I, again, went through the ritual. 
But this time I added to it, I said, you stood in the presence of God and you rejected him. You stood in the presence of God and you rejected God. Jesus Christ commands you to leave. All of a sudden, all the noises stopped. And for about three, four seconds, the black, the blackness just lifted. You see it going up like a veil, like, like that quick. Wow. Went up. It took about three seconds, maybe. It went up. I see the room in the moonlight. You know, it was gone, right? But it's not gone. Uh, it continues. That's 2015. It continues for four more years, three more years. Off and on, there's so many things that happen. I ordered uh, my headstone. I live next to a cemetery, which doesn't help. I ordered a six foot, <laughs> you know, that's what people say. Well, look where you live, right? I ordered a six foot uh, headstone in the shape of the Bible. It says Holy Bible has the lines on it. There's some biblical phrases on it. Now get this. This stuff is going on again, April of 16. So it's six months later, four months later, it's back again, right? So I said, you're going to write a book on this, April 16. I said, you know, you've written books, write a book on this, mm -hmm. you know? I sit down on my laptop like I am right now. I start typing it, calling it the string theory of the unexplained, which the string theory is if you call upon Jesus, you can repel aliens and demons. Right? Oh, and I'll tell, okay. you, I'll tell you about why aliens, right? So I sit down and I start typing. I look up. My backyard bursts into flames as I sit down to type it. I, I go to the window. It's My property's fenced in. It's two acres. It's on the outside of the fence, moving against the wind, but not inside my property. The fire, a legitimate I, fire. I, the fire. I got pictures of it, right? Oh, man. I, I had put four blessed coins. I took it to Our Lady of Grace or, or in the base, in around the four corners of the house, and four best blessed coins at the four fence posts of the yard to try to keep these things out. They don't enter the property. It's on fire. I mean, and so I look, I see some people, three, a couple of guys in the cemetery. I call the police. I said, somebody just lit my yard up. They must have took lighter fluid because it's burning like in a straight line. It's not coming into my yard. But mm -hmm. and the, the, the 911 says, nope, they called it in before you. We're on the way. Right. Oh, wow. So, you know, so I, like I said, I got a picture of it. I should have taken multiple pictures, but I just saved the one best one to put in my book. So. They come, they actually got to come from three directions to get enough water to it, you know, because of where I'm located. They put it all out. I said, how does that happen? Well, sometimes there's a piece of broken glass. The sun hits it, it ignites a leaf. I said, I've, I've lived here 20 years. That's never happened, mm -hmm. you know. So they leave, the fire department leaves, and uh, my phone rings. And it's the mausoleum guy. He goes, how do you like your headstone? I said, what are you talking about? He goes, oh, it came today. They delivered it and installed it. I said, Wait a second. I said, your three guys were in the cemetery putting my headstone in? He said, yeah, that was them. And I said, you know about the fire? He goes, yeah, they told me that the, the yard burst into flames. The minute they put my very religious holy Bible. Uh, I, think I, pen, I think I lost you for a second. They said, you said uh, they told you the yard burned into flames. Go ahead from there. Yeah, they called it. They were the ones who called it in before me. The minute they installed the headstone, it's a granite headstone made overseas that had to be shipped, right? It's in the shape of the Holy Bible, says Holy Bible, religious cross, everything. 
The mm. minute they put it in its place and cemented it in and, and bolted, whatever they do, the yard burst into flames and they called the fire department and said, we don't know what's going on here, but this, there's a fire right here, right? Think so about when, that. So when the entity saw that you got a headstone, their thought process was, we're going to make him use it then. Well, no. What, what it did was it pissed them off so much that my body will be under this highly religious headstone in the shape of the Holy Bible. It says mm -hmm. Holy Bible. And this is this is going to protect my body until I rise again. It pissed them off so much. They were so angry. They burst the woods into flames. And that is so you, crazy. It, I'm telling you, it's all true. And if you look at exorcism, when they do an exorcism, they clear the room of everything except an end table and a chair, rugs, curtains, dressers, all of that, because these demons, when you're possessed, can burst all of those items into flames. I pissed it off so much by putting that holy Bible headstone in that would protect me after I die that its anger burst the yard into, into flames. And that's exactly what happened. So, but I can't get rid of it. I, I, I'm doing the stuff. I'm, I'm doing everything I can. I joined three churches, right? I'm, I, I'm like a reborn Christian at this point. I can't get rid of this. It seems to come back every six months. So what happens is, uh, do you know Ryan Caveline? Caveline? I do not. He makes a whole bunch of movies, Mountain Monster, uh, all these movies with Bigfoot, all of that, right? So he contacts me again around Christmas of uh, 18, and he goes, John, we're doing a movie on exorcism. I know what happened to you. Would you be in it? I said, yeah. He said, what we're doing is we got five priests gonna, we're gonna, who are going to answer questions, then three or four people who had incidents with the devil, and we're going to interview them. He goes, here's the deal. We're going to bring this past this, far, this priest down from Sharon, PA, up by Route 80, and he's going to come to your house. You tell your story. We film it. And as part of the deal for doing this, he will bless you and your house. He has performed exorcisms. He will clear your house. I said, absolutely. I'll pay you to do it. You know, forget about doing it for free. I'll, so I'm telling you, he, they come down, the priest, little skinny guy, like five foot eight, 110 pounds, you know, and he's got his collar and he, he, he I, I tell him everything. He then said, all right, you know, he goes, he blesses me. He goes, I have holy water. I got blessed oil. He went from room to room, every window, every window frame, every door frame, every door leading out, every window. He put a cross in holy oil and he threw holy water and it's gone. And it's been gone for two years. Well, that's amazing. Yeah. So, so, and so that's why I said, the string theory, and I've updated that book like three times now with other information because I wrote it in 16, but the string theory of the unexplained is if you believe in God, you can repel aliens and demons. You have that power. They cannot say no to the name of Jesus. That's what the main thing I learned. Don't say I com command you to leave. You got no power over them. They're stronger than you. You, use, you say, Jesus Christ commands you to leave. Jesus Christ binds you, sends you back to where you came from. So why does it work over aliens? Well, Good question. Right. So I got a Fred Saluga's friend from Florida. When Fred was a MUFON investigator down then, Joe Jordan, right? So now Fred hooks me up with him. And all of this comes together like it was supposed to, you know? Mm -hmm. So Joe Jordan uh, writes a book, Unholy Communion. 
and he was an atheist down in Florida working, I think, at NASA. And, uh, you know, he says he does a UFO investigation for MUFON. I think it was a Hispanic lady sees the gray alien in the middle of the night in her bedroom and screams, Jesus Christ, protect me. God, help me. It backs away and leaves. So Joe, Joe says, that's weird. Why would aliens be afraid of the name of Jesus? He then specializes in that, looking at abductions. He finds 150 cases where people called upon Jesus or God, whoever their God is, but Jesus in particular in this country, and the alien leaves. So he writes a book on Holy Communion that the alien abduction is a demonic infestation. That's all part of my book also, uh, String Theory of the Unexplained. I then look at a bunch of the famous UFO cases, uh, Betty Andresian, Carla Turner, a whole bunch of them. And I read their book, their autobiography, and there it is. Sulfur smells, tapping sounds, uh, windows rattling, banging sounds. You know, Carla Turner, who was a doctor, and everybody respects her so much in the UFO field, but you read her first book that it's alien abduction. Then you read her second and third book. Um, the third book was Masquerade of Angels. And she says, okay. if you think these are spirits, if you think that these are aliens or spirits or whatever, you're wrong. That's why she called it Masquerade of Angels. She finally realized these were demons. And uh, mm. But she was, but, you know, it's, it's almost like Jacques Vallée. He will describe everything about the UFO experience. He will never say the word angel or demon, but mm-hmm. he will describe everything about it being interdimensional, something that controls us. But he will never say because he stays away from religion. But she was an atheist doctor who had to use her scientific brain. Her, her husband and her son are having the same dream. You ever hear of anybody that has same, the same dream at night? You go to bed, all three of us had the same dream. That's very right? weird. Yeah. So the the son now is getting possessed, too, and they think it's aliens. And the son, he, he's with his girlfriend, so they're, like, out in a neighborhood, and they get out of the car, and they're standing under a streetlight, and he's grabbing the girl, saying, hey, you got to come with me over here into the darkness. There's someone here I want you to meet. And she's saying, I'm not going over there. There's, like, something creepy. Mm-hmm. This is full-blown demonic infestation, possession, and she didn't realize to the end, and she I don't think she ever she never really said demon, but she describes it and says it's not angels. <laughs> mm. You know, I don't remember the exact quote. But then she dies of uh, ovarian cancer. Oh, rest which in peace is to her. A, a lot of the people that come into contact with this stuff end up getting sick. A lot of uh, UFO investigators have died prematurely. Uh, a lot of suicides. You know, this stuff plays with your mind too. You know, and then they play with your head also. Like I said, they can get in your head. They can put thoughts in your head. There's so much to this. But uh, so that's my transition. So I look at the UFO field now with a different set of eyes. You know, I look at it as a demonic. And, and get this, too. You the, the, the MUFON Symposium, I think two years ago, I start hearing uh, in 2019 or 18. I hear it. I didn't go. I'm hearing these reports of state directors and people in the audience seeing shadow people walking through the aisles among oh. the people, right? Now get this, in 2016, 
I'm good friends with Jan Harzan, who's the international director. I'm sitting at the dinner table with him for the symposium Friday night. He's with his wife, and I'm telling him about this these attacks on me. And the wife says, this is all demonic. She goes, I was at the symposium a couple of years ago. I saw these demons walking through the aisles while we're sitting there at the conference. Then I find out this happens a lot at UFO conferences. And then I go back to the first UFO conference I attended in 1999. I come home 4th of July. I didn't stay for the fireworks. I go to bed. I have an out-of-body experience. There's two hybrid kids with me. Uh, I'm having all these weird dreams for four nights. This is, you can call that alien. I say it's demonic. That's what I say. Well, that's that's fascinating. Um... And it all comes together when you piece it all together. The thing, that, you know, the thing that made the arm prints, you know, the thing I saw down the hallway, the UFO conference, the demo- and then it turns into a demonic attack on me, which is I firmly believe it. That's what it was, you know. And and I've gone, you know, even further looking at, you know, this disclosure. And in that uh, uh, letter to the editor I lo- wrote last week, I said, you know. I'm glad that they're saying UFOs are real, but this could also be used as that great apostasy against Christians. Maybe that far left progressive attack because they don't seem to like religion that the alien. All you got to do is say, well, we've met them and they say there's no God. It's all evolution. We're animals and there's no such thing as creation. There is Mm. no God. And but. Like I said, if you cured COVID, you would have had us at cure, you know, yeah. right? 70, 80 percent of the people would have dropped Christianity or their religion and gone with the UFO religion. And that's your great apostasy that's in the Bible. And I said, this UFO thing, in my opinion, is going to be used as that end of days thing, as part of the end of days. Even when the people are taken, the good ones are taken. Mm-hmm. They're going to claim it's an alien abduction took these people. Not that they were good. The aliens uh. took them. The, the good people are still here. And it's the opposite because everything is a lie and a deception. Well, John. You never heard any of that before, have you? I have not. <laughs> this I has have... been a hell of a fascinating interview. Oh, my Lord. Thank you. You know that the Saki commercial with the most interesting man alive? Yes. That's me. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with you on that one. Holy hell, this has been a whirlwind of an interview. My God, thank you so much for coming on. I could give you concepts and ideas in this field that no one's ever thought of. And they're all in my books. I put them all in my books. I am definitely going to have to buy some of those books. John, in the future, I I definitely want to have you back on too. Because this this was amazing. Um, Guys, check him out, johnventry.com. Check out um, String Theory of the Unexplained. Check out all his his talks, his lectures. Go to his website. The guy is anything less than fascinating. Like, amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah, johnventry.blogspot.com. My apologies. Okay, no problem. My apologies. Guys, real quick, time to pay some bills. This podcast uh, episode is sponsored by Tenacious Detail, your mobile detailing solution for Pittsburgh and the surrounding area. Uh, Right now, they're having a special for 20% off any service for rideshare drivers and or uh, military service members that's current and former so check them out uh, schedule an appointment today at 724-498-9942 or check out their facebook page at facebook.com slash tenacious detail pgh and also make sure to check out my other podcast with daniel brady murderous states of mind we're currently going through our series 
on the Son of Sam killer, David Berkowitz. Check that out. John Venture, Ventry, excuse me, uh, dot blogspot.com. Check that out. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, any Thank upcoming you. things you want the people to know about? Well, I'm supposed to do the Texas Paracon in, uh, I think it's in Dallas in August. And, you know, we're waiting for this UFO disclosure, whatever it is. And uh, we just did our two UFO conferences, but we'll be back with those. They're already on the website for next year. April 9th in Pittsburgh, May 13th, 14th in Philly. Okay, make sure you check that out, guys. If you like what you heard, please like, share, subscribe, anything like that. Uh, anything to help the product per, per, podcast as well. Check out the sweet merch at, uh, at the merch store. Help support the podcast. Microphone went out there for a second. But, it's uh, the demons. It's the yeah. demons. <laughs> they, they, don't want, they don't want this to air. Well, thank you so much, John. Um, until next this time, everybody, peace and love. The Inquisitive Minds Podcast.